Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. So as Westerners, we see this issue of the Sabbath and we're like, what? Sabbath? You know, I don't even get this. And rest? No, that's, there's money to be made, right? There's rungs of the ladder to be climbed and all that good stuff. And the early bird gets the worm and we're just so driven, 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 driven. And it's just driving us right into the grave. Learn to rest, Westerners. Learn to rest in Him. And fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with His Word. When was the last time you actually took some real time to rest? I don't mean that power nap you took so that you could get up and get more things done. I mean real refreshing and rejuvenating rest. Pastor James reminds us in today's message that God made the Sabbath for us. He created a day so that you and I could be refreshed. We were created in His image, and He rested when He was finished with His creation. So if He rested and He made a day for us to rest, Don't you think that it's good for us to use it? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 2, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. All they're doing is simply plucking off a few heads of wheat and they're just enjoying a little snack on their journey. And so they see this and now they're going to confront Jesus about this. It says the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? So, I mean, as soon as they take note of this, as soon as they see this, they immediately confront Jesus concerning the actions of his followers. And they go so far as to say, why are they breaking the law? Why are you as a rabbi allowing your students, why are you letting them get away with breaking the law? They're harvesting grain on the Sabbath. They're not allowed to do this. And again, this is just another just a misunderstanding of what the law actually was saying, was intending, and it was due to their, their blindness brought on by just the spiritual pride and arrogance that they had. And they're totally missing all these amazing things that Jesus was doing. And they would miss all the stories because they were always looking at ways to, like, get Jesus. And so now here's their opportunity. So they think, right? Like, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind. I mean, even just thinking back to the beginning of chapter two, where he heals the paralyzed man, man, how they just miss those stories and how just the very fact that the Messiah was in their presence, was in their presence. And uh, even, you know, pronounced in that story in the beginning of chapter two, where he, he lets this guy know your sins are forgiven. And they're like, who can forgive sins but God alone? And he's like, well, to prove to you who I am, then he heals this guy. He tells him to, you know, to stand up. And this guy jumps up, rolls up his mat, and and walks on out. And they get to see this beautiful, amazing miracle take place. And yet it's not enough for them. They're still looking for ways to get him. Still got to get him. 
So Jesus is going to respond to them in a classic way. Uh, We see this quite often, especially through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, This will be a common way that he responds to them. It's also a good way for us to respond to any critics that may approach you within your life and just concerning your walk with Jesus. They may have questions or they may bring to you some accusations concerning your faith and maybe things that they see or they misunderstand. And this is a good way for you to be able to respond to them. Now, the only thing is that Jesus knew the word of God. It is his word. We as believers ought to be in the word of God as well and have a be growing in our understanding of the word of God so that when maybe questions come to you concerning your faith or accusations come to you concerning your faith, as we will find in these days that continually grow darker because we believe that Jesus is coming back soon. But the way that he responds is it's just classic. And he says to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures, right? So, you know, he doesn't pull up any commentaries and he's not going to pull up any other, you know, extra biblical rabbinical sources, you know, rabbi so-and-so stated this, rabbi so-and-so once said this, like he's not going to do that. He points them right back to the scriptures. Haven't you read in the scriptures? And in our, like, our conversations with individuals, we may not say it in that way, but we would say like, well, let's go back to the scriptures. Or have you ever seen this verse? Or this story from the Old Testament? Let's go back to the scriptures. And that is a very wise way for us to handle questions and conflicts. The New Testament lets us know you need to be ready. You need to be ready to give a defense for what you believe. You need to have a good understanding of this book that should be of the utmost value to you and I within our lives. And so when questions arise, questions about, you know, submission to government and mandates and things like that, like, can you point people back to the word of God? Should we just do what they say all the time. Well, is what they're asking of you, is it contrary to God's word? Well, if it is, well, do you know where to go back into God's word to show that I must obey God? I must obey God. It's important for us to have, you're never going to have a complete understanding of the word of God, but you should have a growing understanding of the word of God. And so, Jesus says, have you not read, have you never read, or haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when his companions were hungry? Now, this is an interesting little story that he's going to point them back to, which is just fascinating, because really, you read through the story, and you're like, well, I don't think this mentions the Sabbath at all, and so are we talking about the Sabbath? But back in 1 Samuel chapter 21, Verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read this story to you guys just so you can understand because Jesus references it. Now, his audience would automatically know this story. They would be familiar with the story of David and his men and Abathar, the high priest, and this interaction that they had, okay? So as David is on the run from Saul, verse 1 of chapter 21 of 1 Samuel says, David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech, the priest, 
Ahimelech trembled when he saw him, uh, and he asked him, he says, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? Verse 2, the king sent me on a private matter, David said. He told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Now what is there to eat? Give me the five loaves of bread or anything else you have. So here's David, and he goes to the priest, to Ahimelech, and he needs food for his men. He needs rations for his men. And he knows he can go there, and there should be something there for him and his guys to eat. Okay? So he's looking, he's asking for loaves of bread or anything else that they would have. Verse 4, he says, we don't have any regular bread, the priest replies. But there is holy bread, which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently, right? And so if they've kept themselves pure, okay? So that's his requirement. He's like, we have the holy bread, and you can have the holy bread as long as your young men have kept themselves pure. Verse 5, David says, don't worry. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. It says, don't worry. I never allow my men to be with women when we are on a campaign. And since they stay clean, even on ordinary trips, how much more than on this one? Since there was no other food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. So now Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief herdsman, was there that day having been detained before the Lord. David asked Ahimelech, do you have a spear or sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. He says, I only have the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the Valley of Elah. The priest replied, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want, for there is nothing else here. There is nothing like it, David replies, give it to me. So David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about him being there. Isn't this David the king of the land? They asked. Isn't he the one the people honor with dances and singing? Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. David heard these comments and was very afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. Finally, King Achish said to his men, you must, must you bring me a, this madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? So this is this crazy story as David is on the run and he needs food. And, you know, this show bread, the bread of the presence, I mean, it wasn't meant for David to eat. Okay, that wasn't the original intent. But however, within the story, here's David and he needs this food. He needs substance. He needs something to eat. And the high priest consents to it, and he, he lets them have it, and he, he sees no issue with it. And the only, again, the only caveat was have your young men kept themselves clean. And they had. And so Jesus is using this story to communicate to the Pharisees that, you know, let's not miss this. You know, let's not miss the intent behind some of these things. And God cares, God cares about the individual. God cares about the person. And God had no problem with the disciples walking through the field and taking some 
heads of grain and rubbing those in the palm of their hand in order to eat the fruit of it, so to speak. He had no issue with that because, well, they're hungry. They needed food. David was hungry. He needed substance. He needed something to eat. And so it was allowed. So it was allowed. And Jesus is using this story to frame into thought, like, this is the point of the whole thing. And they've placed the laws and they've placed the regulations and really the extras that their heroes, so to speak, have added to all of the laws. Those things were more important to them than the individuals themselves, although they were still kind of hypocritical in their adhering to these laws themselves. I mean, they didn't. They didn't follow them exactly as they demanded of everyone else. But I love how Jesus just brings them back to the Word, and he, he uses a very familiar story concerning David and how he was able to partake of that bread, and God didn't strike him down. God didn't curse him. Uh, he wasn't killed for that or, or anything like that. He needed the bread, and the bread was there, and the priest gave him the bread. Again, he uses this story to highlight the fact that Sabbath, you know, going back to this story in, in Mark chapter 2, Sabbath was meant for us and not us meant for the Sabbath. The intent behind it is, is that of rest. There's also some thoughts behind that, that it's, it kind of signifies us trusting him as well. And there's just, there's behold, all this beauty behind Sabbath. And, and I know it looks different for us these days. And what technically is a Sabbath for New Testament Christians? Like, what does that look like for us? Should we celebrate this? And as sundown on Friday, you know, should we just shut everything down, you know, for an entire day? And you can do that. That's fine. And really the wisdom behind it is if you work six days a week, you should take one day to rest. I mean, that's just wisdom. And that's God like demonstrating love and concern for the people that he has created. He doesn't want us working 24-7. He doesn't want us, you know, incurring all that just stress upon ourselves. Because, I mean, it, it breaks you down over time. Workaholics see this. Over a course of time, disease starts to set in. Heart disease is a major problem within workaholics because there's no rest. There's just no rest. And God in his infinite wisdom says, you know what? I created everything in six days and I rested on the seventh day. We as human beings ought to trust in him as our provider that you can rest. You can take a break. Your needs will be met by God. So rest, relax, catch your breath, right? Catch your breath. And don't be spiritual police officers patrolling around, looking to write citations to other Christians when they break your interpretation of a law. And that's exactly what has happened within this story. Pharisees are like religious police officers, and they have their own understanding or interpretation of what the Sabbath means, and they're there to pull Jesus and his followers over and write them a ticket for violating the law. However, Jesus, being much smarter than them, <laughs> corrects their theology 
their wrong theology and chose them from the, the word that they loved, that they appreciated, although they were blind to aspects of it, but they, they loved it. But he showed them from their law, you guys are wrong. You don't get it. I mean, even within the little stories, you know, he's, he's talking about David and his companions. In verse 26, he went into the house of God during the days of when Abathar was high priest. Okay, so Abathar was the high priest. And he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. So again, there's the, the, um, the sacred bread, the consecrated bread meant only for the priest. David shows up is hungry, needs food, and they give him what was meant for the priest. They give it to David, and that was totally fine. It was cool, okay? He says he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus says to them, verse 27, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath, meaning the Sabbath was made for our benefit, made for our blessing, and not to be a burden on the people, not to be the burden on the people. And Jesus even goes on to say in verse 28 there, so the Son of Man, that's himself, is Lord even over the Sabbath. So even as the Messiah, Jesus himself could have been like, I allow this to happen. My guys are totally fine with quote-unquote, breaking the Sabbath because I am the Lord of the Sabbath, right? So here he is, again, just letting these guys know in case they've missed it from chapter 2, verse 1, where he heals the paralytic man, you know, by forgiving his sins first and then actually physically healing this guy, doing the things that the Messiah was going to be doing, that they knew about that. And he uses this story concerning the Sabbath to show, like, look, my guys have done nothing wrong, they have not broken the law, so to speak. Uh, they've broken your extra add-ons to the law, but that's not the law. This is they're just in what they've done. The Sabbath was meant for mankind, not mankind to meet the strict requirements of the Sabbath. And he says, the Son of Man is Lord, and the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. So I think it's just a good reminder for us Man, a really good reminder for us, and we tend to get so legalistic in our relationship with Jesus, and I don't know how this happens, but it seems to happen to everyone who's a follower of Christ to a certain extent or another, or uh, we get jaded by, you know, sometimes communities we run in, you know, different areas in which we live, and we like to make rules where there are no rules, or even if there is a rule, we like to compound on that or add our own little add-ons to it and what we interpret as, well, I know it says this, but, you know, I really think it means this and all that good stuff. We as believers, as followers of Jesus, should just be aware of that tendency to, to really to slide into legalism because it really does damage to others. And that's really kind of what's going on here with these Pharisees is their eyes are on Jesus and his followers only to catch them in a trap. There's no admiration for who Jesus is. There's no like awe or wonder 
when they see him do miraculous things. There's just this hatred, this vitriol towards Jesus and towards his followers because, I mean, they become so legalistic. And we love the law. The law is good. The law is pure. The law is what drives us or is like a tutor from the book of Galatians. It leads us to Jesus. It leads us to him. The caution for us as believers is to let's avoid legalism. Let's avoid getting caught up into that and looking down upon people when they may not act like you think they ought to act. Now, I'm not talking about like turning a blind eye to sin and and blatant rebellion and things like that, because that's not what the story is even talking about. This is not sin, and this was not blatant rebellion. This is Jesus just enjoying a stroll with his disciples, and his disciples are plucking heads of grain. And the legalists come alongside, and they view that as like, you are breaking God's law. You are dishonoring God and his word. And Jesus uses the word to correct them and their misinterpretation of the scriptures. So, look, guys, let's just let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Man, let's fall in love with, more in love with him. Let's enjoy his word, become well acquainted with his word, and allow that to bring freedom within your life in following him. And like we always say, you know what? I want to hear the heartbeat of God in all of these stories. And when it comes to the issue of the Sabbath, you know what I need to do? As a person who doesn't know how to slow down and rest, I need to rest. I need to rest in him. Find your rest in Jesus. If you've been working so hard and your family rarely ever sees you, you need to take some time and rest. Reconnect with Jesus. Reconnect with your family. Right? You are not so pivotal in this world that everything revolves around you. If you don't show up to work for one day and the whole thing falls apart, then you have not done something right. Within the realm of ministry, if I don't show up on a Sunday morning and everything collapses, then I have not done something right. I have failed because this thing does not revolve around me. This thing does not revolve around us. So take a day to rest. Take a day to rest. Catch your breath. Catch your breath. Enjoy what God has given to you. Sabbath rest. It was intended for your benefits and not to be a burden. So as Westerners, we see this issue of the Sabbath and we're like, what? Sabbath? You know, I don't even get this. And rest? No, that's, there's money to be made right? There's rungs of the ladder to be climbed and all that good stuff. And the early bird gets the worm and we're just so driven, 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 driven. And it's just driving us right into the grave. Learn to rest, Westerners. Learn to rest in him and fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with his word and, you know, be ready to give a defense. Be ready to give a defense. So cool little story about the Sabbath. We'll pick up next, obviously, in chapter 3, and Jesus is going to, well, guess what? We got Sabbath issues again in chapter 3, and he's going to heal somebody on the Sabbath, and uh, thus causing more issues between him and the religious leaders, but, but that's all right. Guys, that's all right. Let's follow the example of Jesus, who always honored the Father in everything he said and did. 
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' life while he was here on the earth. Mark offers unique perspectives on this time, emphasizing Jesus' servanthood to the people that he met. Jesus loved practically, often, and with everyone. What a kind and humble servant we get to serve. If you need to hear this message again or you'd like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore the variety of verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter Bible teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. And if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit us. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Thursday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m., and you're welcome to come join us for both. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. You can get directions there as well. We're excited to meet you and spend some time worshiping with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Mark and to gear up for what's ahead in this New Testament book. There's so much to learn, so much to know about Jesus. So make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.